there, and welcome to the Prickly Things Podcast, the show where we are open and honest about everyday life in hopes to empower, motivate, and inspire you. So listen close, because we all love a good story. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Prickly Things Podcast. This is your host, Sandra, and I'm super excited to come to you today on another episode and joining me today is Mayra Rodarte. We're super excited to have you on today, not only representing UTEP, representing El Paso, you're representing a whole culture behind you and sharing with us everything that you have accomplished. I'm looking forward to get to know everything about your journey. So how's everything? Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Hey, okay. Everything is good. Uh, I feel like for a minute there, quarantine got to me, and then I got out of the funk, so everything's good now. I am in El Paso, not doing much. Honestly, I'm still taking COVID pretty seriously, so I've been working from home since last March. Since, yeah, last March, and uh, I went to the office for the first time in a minute, and I saw all the papers were dated, like, February 2020, March 2020. It looks like a scene out of, like, a post-apocalyptic movie or something and oh, no. everything's thrown everywhere calendars are years behind like <laughs> wow uh, so I've been just working from home I think I've now found a good balance uh, between working from home going to the gym safely again and then just trying to find things to keep me occupied people who are also vaccinated like me that I can start seeing again so that's been super helpful That's cool. And like you said, just transitioning back out is a progress or like a work in progress, because like when we were all pushed inside and stay indoors, don't go anywhere. It was like a sudden change like this. And now we're having to transition back out. We're like, we're peeking outside. And like you said, is it safe? Is anybody there? You know, like, yeah, it's a whole (laughs) other story. It's a whole other journey. Yeah, definitely for sure. So, but I'm excited. We're slowly getting there. Like I said, as long as we all do it safely and slowly. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. <laughs> and I mean, we're eventually hitting into the summer, which I know in El Paso, it gets a little hot out there. It's a literal hot girl summer here. Like, oh. literally. <laughs> yes, girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So tell me, uh, Maya, a little bit more about why we're here today. Um, as you know, this podcast is dedicated to sharing stories of mm-hmm. everyday people doing amazing things in hopes to inspire, motivate, and empower each other. So let's start with who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, Priscilla approached me to do this podcast and I think she told both of us the same thing. All she said was you have to do it because you're fierce. And I was like, thank you. But I don't know, like in what sense and what context, um, so I'll just start from the very, very beginning. Um, so I was born here in El Paso and I was actually born, uh, with this condition called bilateral club feet. So, uh, my feet are essentially, uh, deformed. They were turned inward at birth. So my mom and all her glory as a first time mom to a disabled kid did everything she could to essentially, you know, improve my health. And so as a baby, I went through multiple surgeries. Uh, I went through multiple years of physical therapy. And I think being in a hospital setting and doing physical therapy with kids who were far sicker than I was really impacted me as a person. Um, It it just allowed me, first of all, to grow and mature at an earlier rate than other people had to. 
Um, but it also showed me a lot of sympathy towards others. So I feel like while a lot of people who are born disabled tend to think, why me? Why can I be quote normal or healthy? I do think it does make us the people who we are in the long run. Um, so in a way, I'm happy that I've outgrown that mindset and now I'm thankful for my disability and the type of person it's made me. So uh, in elementary school, I was bullied a lot though because of it, because you know kids are mean and they don't understand and they don't get it. Uh, so then transitioning to middle school and high school, I did everything I could to hide that I was disabled. I was on every single student organization I could be in. Um, I graduated at the top of my class. I made sure I had a full right to college because that's the only way I was gonna get paid for. And I really tried not to let my disability get the best of me. Um, and in a sense, I think that overcompensation kind of hit me a little bit later in life. Because uh, when I got to college, I realized hiding my disability was probably not the best way to go about it. Um, I think I learned that it was much better for me to just be upfront and tell everybody instead of just my close friends, just so we could have transparency, honesty, and I don't have to worry about someone finding out or, or anything. Um, so when I got to college, I went to UTEP, the University of Texas at El Paso, and I, again, joined everything I could join. I was part of every organization I could be in. Um, but it was really vigorous. I mean, I was nonstop. I was, first of all, a theater major, which doesn't make any sense <laughs> to what I'm doing now because I studied stage management. So it's technical theater. So I'm, I'm essentially the manager who gets the show put together and I'm in charge of making sure it goes right every single night during a live show. Wow. So physically you're there for a lot of hours. You're the first one in the theater, the last one to leave. So I wouldn't leave UTEP till like midnight some nights just because of the rehearsals or the shows. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Did you produce any of the shows while you were in school? Uh, I didn't produce, but I did uh, stage manage a lot of them. I stage managed them, or I was the assistant, or I made props. Or... Can you name some of the ones that you were a part of? Because I loved going to the UTIP theater. Oh, yes. Okay, so I didn't do dinner theater. Just oh. that whole separate thing. I know. Really? Yeah. Now it's coming more together, which is good. It should. So which um, ones were the other ones? Because was the house on Mango Street, like, one of the... House on Mango Street is... is uh, our like was it was what part of what I was in. Yeah. I love the house on Mango Street. I when I went to go see that show, they did such a good job. It was mm -hmm. so nice to see the people I have class with every single day go up there and produce this incredible show. It's just so awesome. And then they're all doing amazing things now. So that's cool. it was really cool. Um, so yeah, long hours at UTEP, and then I also did research as an undergrad. And then I was in a bunch of honors programs, which is how I know Priscilla and, you know, and Rachel and all of these um, amazing people. Rachel was also, I think, a theater, a technical theater major. Yes, so, yes, yeah. yes. And yeah. Rachel's episode is actually on episode five. So Rachel has her like story about how she <laughs> is a theater major and now she's doing a press on nail business. So like, again, yeah. even to your story, you yeah. started out here and you're going to tell us what you're doing, which is like non-related. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, but I'm telling you, like, doing so much 
just physically exhausted me. Like I, I had found a new orthopedic specialist and we had agreed, you know, I was done with surgeries because I had just had so many in my life. But then after seeing me at the end of my college career, he was kind of like, you know what? I think you need more surgeries just because your feet, the deformity is getting worse. I couldn't even fit into regular shoes. So I can't wear sandals or flip-flops or heels, but I could wear tennis shoes. You know, I could wear running shoes. And I got to a point where even then I couldn't fit into those shoes. Can you tell me a little bit more about like when you first realized you had this disability? Because as you're growing up, you said you were born with, <laughs> is it a birth defect? Is that yes. the correct term? Yeah, it's, it's called a, it's a birth defect. Uh, a congenial deformity is also another way to say it. So congenial just means you were born with it. So, okay. Being a kid, when did you realize you were different? It just becomes your normal, right? Like, oh, all these doctor's appointments are just me. Me having to do physical therapy is just me. Me crying every time I go shoe shopping is just me. Like, it was just, you know, it was just something that, you know, is normal in your life. But I think I immediately knew it wasn't normal in anybody else's life. I think immediately, probably in elementary school is when I realized, oh, like, I'm different because... I have to sit out during PE and all the students get, all the other kids would get mad at me because I got to sit out while they had to go run. And they said that wasn't fair because why do mm. I get to sit down? And oh. so immediately, it was, it was pretty instant when you're like, oh, okay, I'm mm. the outsider. And, you know, I would tell them or, exp- I mean, they would see me with my surgeries and the wheelchair and everything. But when you're a kid, you just see it as like, oh, how nice she gets to be in a wheelchair and pushed around all day versus me going through it, it's like you have no idea how much I wish I could I could run with you guys so I think pretty instantaneously as a little kid um, I knew that I was different but going to physical therapy with all these other kids who were in much severe health conditions than I was I learned to be extremely thankful that while I have a deformity in my feet at least I have two feet at least I have two hands, at least I can think for myself, I can speak for myself, you know, I trust, other than my feet, the rest of my body, I trust it to do what it's supposed to do. So in that sense, being surrounded by, you know, kids who were quote, healthy, and kids who were um, not as healthy, I was able to be like, okay, I'm in the middle. And I think you just learn in life, you're always going to be in the middle, you know, there's always going to be people who have it worse than you, will have it better and it's just about appreciating the things you do have wow and that's incredible to grow in that mindset because it takes a while to to get there right because at first like you said even you being a little kid growing and realizing like I can't do this but I can't do this and I'm not a part of this but I'm not part of that and even internalizing that where you're like you know what this is not going to define me. Let me go and do as much as I can while I can so I can be a part of everything and not miss out on anything. Because then that's when people leave you out, right? So you want to include yourself and be part of everything, which is awesome. (laughs) I was like, you guys are not going to get rid of me. I'm going to join everything. And then of course, it was all motivated. Also, just financially speaking, you know, we were low income. So I knew if I wanted to get an education, I needed to be that person who was always, I wasn't going to get an athletic scholarship. I was never going to be on a sports team. So I might as well use my time to get involved in everything else and then be able to go to college and get an education. Cause I knew 
I needed an office job. You know what I mean? Like I knew I needed to stay sitting down at a desk one day. Uh, so naturally I went to theater <laughs> for my bachelor's degree, <laughs> the complete opposite. <laughs> well, talk me about that because you mentioned you got a Fulbright scholarship to the University mm-hmm. of Texas at El Paso. And that is right. a lot of hard work. Like you're talking about not being able to do anything, um, you know, what is it called? Athletic, but academically mm-hmm. talk to me about your academic achievements in high school. What high school did you go to? Yeah, I went to Riverside High School. We're, we're pretty small compared to the other El Paso high schools. My graduating class, I think, was like less than or around 200 students. Oh, so wow. we, were, we were a small class, um, but I absolutely loved it. I had very progressive, forward-thinking teachers who taught us to be, especially, you know, your history classes and your humanities classes, just having those teachers who enrich you with like the honest truth of everything it's just so inspiring and it's so freeing and they always supported everything um that I did so even if I did experience bullying once or twice in high school I knew I had these amazing teachers who believed so much in me that it kind of didn't matter what anything else was happening because I knew okay these people know that I have a bright future so I have to achieve that and I think in a way I did use my education and like wanting to always better myself as a as like the end goal like okay to prove I can do this I am worthy I am all these amazing things and so I went to Riverside I graduated in 2013 I graduated like number four in my class and uh, it was just a really good time I loved I loved high school it was so much fun and I mean, being part of so many organizations, can you tell me a little bit of which ones were your favorite and how important it is? Talk to us about the importance of being involved and, and how this helped you, you know, achieve what you have done so far. So my favorite, without a doubt, was theater. I loved theater, but I was never an actress. I never, you could never get me to perform on stage. I hate acting. I hate performing. I hate karaoke. Like I'm not that type of person but I absolutely loved the rehearsal process and helping my friends learn their lines and just managing the stage, you know, what a stage manager does. I absolutely loved all of that. And just like other, uh, you know, like orchestra or any sports team, how they have, uh, well, in sports they have games, but how there's competitions like UIL or state, all of that, it was the same for theater. So every competition season, like, I was on it, we were ready, and we did really well at Riverside at my time. And I remember the highlight has to be senior year when I finally won the stage manager award. It was like the best thing ever. <laughs> Everyone wow. just, it was just, it sounds so lame, like, oh, my, my theater <laughs> as a senior when I'm 17 years old, but it was, it was just the best. We totally skipped prom because we had the competition that night. And then we all just came back to my house afterwards and we just were in my backyard till like six in the morning, having fun, joking around, being like high off our wind (laughs) over the competition that night. So it was a lot of fun. So you discovered theater while in high school. You got to be a stage manager already in high school and enjoy everything that had to do with theater and and the world behind it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I also liked it because as the stage manager, I got to just be sitting down and watch everything unfold around me. So that was awesome because again, with my disability, I can't be running around. I can't stand up for long periods of time. So 
getting to just sit there in the world of theater was just so beautiful and it was the best. And then a good introduction into where you ended up doing and what you ended up graduating mm-hmm. in college. But tell me a little bit more about your journey getting accepted into school and, and receiving a full ride. How did that happen for you? Yeah, it was honestly, so UTEP was not my first choice. I feel like many people from El Paso have the same feeling. Yes. Um, I wanted to go out of town. I wanted to get that college experience of the dorm life and the parties and getting away from my strict household. But it was just so expensive. <laughs> it is so expensive. And uh, again, because I was so low income and I was not, you know, financially literate at all, the thought of student loans terrified me. I was like, I don't want to get in debt. I, I was raised to essentially the goal to not be in debt in life. So I was like, I'm at the top of my class. I applied to the, I wrote like my scholarship essay for UTEP. And I, I think at the time they were still giving it as long as you were in the top 10, then you got, it depends, right? Like it was tiered off, but the amount that I received it allowed to pay in full at UTEP. And then I got some outside scholarships that went to, that I used for my books and my supplies and a laptop and stuff. So thankfully my whole college education was paid for. And because I was doing research, um, I was paid to do research as an undergrad. So I got to work at UTEP and get paid. So that's kind of how I was able to do more fun things and take little trips here and there. Wow, that is incredible. And that's a lot of things that, like you said, being a first generation college student, you don't know what opportunities are out there for you. How did you come upon, you know, getting all these scholarships? Like, where did you start? I started, honestly, it was all thanks to the Go Center that we had there at UTEP. Um, I feel like I know I had a lot of friends who were kind of just completing the minimum requirements to like graduate. Um, But for me, every time they came with, here's this scholarship, here's this, here's that, I took everything in and I just applied, applied, applied. I I think I'm a good writer. So all the essays I wrote, you know, I touched on as many things as I could so that thankfully I was able to get that funding that I needed. Um, But that was pretty much it. I just listened to the advice again of my educators. I was like, I trust you because you've been through it. So I'm going to go for it. Wow. And did you ever get any rejection letters from any of the scholarships you applied to? I don't think I ever got rejection letters. I think I just never heard back and I assumed, oh, so I didn't get the Coca-Cola scholarship. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. That's good because sometimes getting that in the mail and like you're putting all of your efforts and like writing essays and putting everything about you out there and to just get a rejection, like that sometimes kind of discourage you or discourages you. So I will say this. I never applied to any Ivy League colleges for that reason, because I didn't want to get rejected and then be like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever. Or on the flip of a coin, it's like, cool, what if I did get accepted? It's not like I can afford it anyway. So why apply? (laughs) But you never know. I know. I wish I wish what I know now. I wish I could go back in time and apply just so I could at least say I got accepted or something. But again, at that time. I knew realistically, or at least what I thought realistically was possible for me was not in the Ivy League realm. Now, looking back, it's like, okay, I should have done it. But at the time, it's like you said, you know, a first generation college student, 
I don't know what's out there. I don't know of the potential. And I feel like, especially back in 2013, there wasn't that, that push or that belief of just go for it or you're worthy, own your space, blah, blah, blah. It was more like, now nah, there's going to be a bunch of rich white people there and I'm not going to fit in and I'm not going to be able to afford to keep up with them. So might as well just not put myself in that situation. Wow. And that's a lot of things that we hold ourselves to that we don't even know this is actually something that exists. So these expectations mm-hmm. we put in our head, like you said, I can't compete with all of those people. They're probably better prepared than I am. And yet you're not, you're stopping yourself from doing something that could have been amazing. But now again, you're still doing amazing. You ended up going to UTEP. Tell me about the support you received from your family as you got the scholarship. You Are you the only child? I'm the oldest. So it's just me and my brother 16 right now. So there's a big age gap between us. But I, I was my mom, my dad never went to a university. Um, so my mom was 110% supportive. She always told me education is kind of the key to life. Um, so I was very blessed that she was always pushing me to go to college and to get an education. Um, but I remember, I remember in high school one time, my friends and I, we all decided, oh, let's go home, ask our parents how much is on our college fund so we can know how to plan for college. And I asked my mom and all of us got the same answer. It was like, what college fund? Like, that's on you, <laughs> you know? So uh, in that sense, I always knew, okay, it's on me, which is why I got all the scholarships. But once I got them, my mom was like, do anything and everything you can to make the most of your college experience. I thought four years of college was a lot. So I said, there's no way you can ever force me to do any more college after those four years. And then realizing theater was too much, it was too physically demanding for me. And it was too unstable as a career in general, especially now, you know, with COVID, I have so many loved ones who are, you know, struggling and finding ways uh, until theater comes back. I just knew it wasn't for me. I'm the type of person who likes color-coded checklists. And so the instability of theater was just not going to work in my life. So towards the, I think I knew probably my junior year that I was going to go to grad school just because I knew theater was not going to be it for me. And, you know, I am privileged enough that I was like, well, at least I didn't pay for it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You paid me to come here for four years. So I did it. Now let me get my master's in something like I truly want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, So that's pretty much why I got my master's degree was just because I knew what I studied in my bachelor's wasn't it for me. And once I discovered the master's in public administration, it was like a golden light went off. And it's like, finally, someone put into words what I want to study. Like, I didn't know this existed before. I didn't know this was an option. So when I found it, it was like the perfect match. So while you were a junior in in college and like, again, you're going through those motions of your classes still in theater, it didn't occur to you to say, well, let me switch my major. Let me start over again somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think because I knew my scholarship was only for four years, I was like, there's no way you're going to get me to switch and start all over right now. Okay, got it. I, <laughs> I, and I think that that's what I tell everybody now, especially now in my current position, I speak to a lot of high school students. And that's their biggest question is how long will it really take me to graduate college? And I always have to preface like, well, 
you'll hear four or five years. Realistically, though, like if you're not, that's only feasible if you pick the major and stick with it from the beginning. If you're absolutely full time or more each semester and if you take classes every single summer, that's a lot. <laughs> and that's a lot of pressure. So I try to tell them honestly, like, you know what? If you're going to change your major. That's fine. If you need to start off at EPCC, that's fine. If you need to do whatever you have to do, that's fine. Take your time because you're going to graduate and you're just going to work. So might as well have it be in something you want to do. Yeah. And that's really important for anyone out there. And I've always talked about too, in my experience, um, that you have to learn and go through the college experience for the skills and experiences you get, not really for the degree or the major mm -hmm. you graduate in, because even you in your experiences, you're using that in your current job, you're using that in your yeah. current adult life. And those are the skills that help you transition into a career, not necessarily a degree. So let's start talking about you graduating from UTEP. Mind you, you graduated as a top 10 <laughs> senior. So it's an amazing award that I, I applied to it when I was graduating in 2018. And it's, it's a very competitive award. You have to, again, you, you're the top of the top of the class. So top 10 senior, talk to me about how you applied and what it meant to be part of this, you know, wall of, of <laughs> top 10 students. Yes, because I think Rachel was also a top 10 senior, right? Yeah. Yes. Got you. Um, so it was, I think this is what I've learned. And now what I tell students as well, even if you don't think you qualify, just apply. I didn't think I was going to get a top 10 senior award. I was a theater major. Like who would pick me? You know, they have all these people who usually got it. They were in STEM or in business. So I will my mentor, uh, she was she was the same person who told me to go for that research position as an undergrad. Again, I didn't think I was going to get that one either, but I just applied for it and I got it. So I was like, she's been giving me fair advice this whole time. Might as well take her up on this offer. So I applied. I got my letters of recommendation and I literally turned in my application like the hour before it was a deadline. So there I am rushing across campus, getting all my letters and then putting them all nice in an envelope and then going to the alumni housing and then just dropping it off at the front desk all out of breath and nervous and thinking, you know, how could I go for this? They're never going to pick me. But then a few weeks later, when I got the letter in the mail that I was selected, I just remember screaming so happy. My mom was screaming so happy. We were all excited. And then they set up you know, this whole meeting explaining of like all our quote duties and all the events we get to go to and all the ways we get to celebrate our graduation. And I honestly wish you had gotten it too, because it's such a nice way to close out your college career. It's just, it gives you so much recognition that you feel like all my hard work was worth it. It's being recognized now, you know, it was just a really nice way to feel validated. And it was really cool because the other people in your cohort, all the other top 10 seniors, you kind of build up a strong connection that even though you didn't know each other beforehand, the fact that you went through that together, you just stay on social media, you always wish each other well, like you're always keeping up with what you're doing. So it was just a really nice experience to graduate in that way, especially because the summer before I had one of my surgeries on my left foot, I believe. So it was a terrible... <laughs> Physically, it was a terrible year for me. So to be able to 
stand on my own two feet. Um, when I graduated, it was, it was so nice. And that is a huge award. And, and for anyone listening that may not be familiar with, this is a very prestigious award that is awarded to, again, people that are doing, I don't think the UTEP Edge was implemented at that time. No. Um, but you had to have gone through a full, you know, college experience. Talk about your journey as a college student. Can you talk to us or can you tell us a little bit about what you wrote in your essay? Yes, of course. So like I said, I knew, well, I was heavily involved in the UTEP community just because of the student orgs and the honor societies and being in theater. I mean, I was there all the time. But when I realized I didn't want to continue theater, I had very gracious theater professors who allowed me to do other things. So for example, we were we had to do a summer internship and it's usually at a theater company. Well, I told them, you know, I know I don't want to do theater. Can I be an intern at Las Americas Immigration Advocacy Center instead? And they were like, yeah, that'll count towards credit. So I spent, you know, a semester uh, and it was, I think it was right after Trump got elected too. I spent that semester at the Las Americas Immigration Advocacy Center, just doing my best to help in whatever way I can there. And then I also... I had to do a show with a guest director and a guest actor from Juilliard. But in that same semester, I also applied and got chosen to do a practicum at the United Nations in New York. So it was, it was like balancing out the most of my time. I was so exhausted, but it was the second time I had ever been to New York and to go for the United Nations and to meet so many incredible government organizations and non-government organizations on the status of women around the world. It was saddening and humbling to see how much more we have to go, but it was also so empowering to be around so many strong women and people who just want to do good for the world. And it just reminded me like, yes, this is the part of the world I want to be in. I want to help make this a better place for everybody. Wow. How do you yeah. get involved in so much? First of all, you were a full-time student going yeah. through a full-time workload with, mind yeah. you, a 4.0 GPA. Wow. Like, I'm just here like, yes, girl, like, you did it. How? How did you manage your time? I honestly don't know. I know I spent, I would literally on my agenda have, like, quite the 30 minutes, like what I was doing every single day. And I mean, I just had really, so even through grad school, I just had really a supportive mom who wouldn't tell me to go to sleep. Instead, she would just, you know, bring me sliced apples at two in the morning to like help me keep going, you know? Uh, but it, it was a lot. It was a, looking back on it. I have no idea. Like I run an errand now and I, I'm exhausted. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> that is incredible. And just to think back on everything that you did did you ever feel like this is too much like what am I doing did you ever question yourself and maybe doubt and everything that you were doing at some point because I know that there has been times many of us have encountered that like you work so hard at a project you give it your all you don't see it you know really going anywhere and then you just kind of like want to give up did you ever have a moment like that absolutely I think unfortunately that's what theater did to me it burnt me out so much so and it burnt me out not just you know like mentally emotionally too because that experience with that 
director from Juilliard was not the most positive experience either. Um, they demanded so much from me, someone who's not, first of all, I wasn't as invested in theater at that point. And I'm also not a Juilliard student who live, breathe, eat theater. You know, I had family. I had, again, my medical condition. I had other things going on that they just didn't understand or they didn't, they weren't sympathetic to it. So I think that really burned me out physically to the point where I couldn't even do the show at the end. I had to drop out. Um, and it sucks because I went through the whole rehearsal process just to have to drop out right when we were going to do opening night and have all our performances. But I just knew that my feet were in such a terrible condition and my mental health and my physical health. I was having panic attacks. I was just not doing well. I was exhausted. And that's when I knew, okay, I need to take a step back, especially because that was a semester before my summer surgery. And I knew that surgery was going to be a nine month recovery, first of all. Wow. And I, I know myself and I've had enough surgeries to know that my mental health is not in the best state when I go through surgery, just because, you know, you have your pity parties, you know, why me? Why this? Everybody's having this fun, awesome summer. I just turned 20 or 21. And here I am in bed with a huge cast in pain, you know? So I knew that's where I was going to be at in the summer and the months after that. So that's what kind of when I took a step back and I was like, look, this is not gonna be for me, my senior year. I don't want the big show. I don't want this and that. I just wanna focus on getting my health better and graduating at my strongest. So thankfully I had, again, amazing professors that once I expressed that to them, they were like, oh, okay, we understand. Don't worry about it. Wow. And again, being honest with yourself is important. I think whoever's listening and whoever, you know, identifies themselves and wanting to do the most and everything and just pushing yourself. It's great to do that. And it's great to be part of everything. And like you said, enjoy everything as much as you can. But then there's that part that comes into your life when you have to be honest with yourself, first of all, and realize like, wait, is this actually good for me? Is this actually going to benefit me in the long run? And for you, you're telling us you knew right away at some point, you know, the theater world was not it for you. So you, you took a step back and you're like, you know what, let me focus on everything else that I do see myself going into rather than keeping myself afloat and drowning altogether because you were not enjoying it anymore. And that's to speak on anything. So anyone out there doing work and balancing work, life, kids, uh, family, take a step back and it's okay to be honest with yourself and then be honest to everybody else and open about what you're going through because you had to tell your professors like, Hey, yeah, I don't, I don't want this anymore. You had to be honest with them. And it's hard because I feel like we hold ourselves to such a high standard that especially, I don't know if it's just a certain type of person or if it's our generation or if it's our culture I don't know what but there's something in us where we don't want to fail and we don't want to let other people down so but I think I learned that as long as you are honest with other people you'll be surprised by how understanding they truly are like you don't have to hold yourself to this martyr of a being to be a good person or to do well or to succeed like people are understanding and they will hopefully provide the accommodations that you need. The support. So you are not only going to, you're going to be surprised at the understanding and support that you're going to receive once you're 
honest and open with yourself and to others. So thank you for highlighting right. that. Now going into your trajectory now, you got your top 10 senior award, you graduated, <laughs> you eventually knew you wanted to go to grad school. Where did right. you decide? Where was the interest for public administration? Where did that come from? So um, my cousin's wife, she got her master's in public administration. And I like she I liked the projects she was working on. Like she would tell me she's doing this with a city or this for that, or they're implementing bike lanes now in El Paso. And I was like, how do you get it? Like you are doing exactly what I want to do. What did you study? And then she told me, and I looked at the curriculum. I looked at the requirements. I looked at the professors. I, I researched everything. And I was like, this master's in public administration is everything I've ever wanted to do. As someone who was so active in so many organizations, I love the power of community and rallying behind a cause to just improve some aspect of human life, right? And especially going through my internship with Las Americas and going to the United Nations, it just solidified that this, I want to make the world a better place in some way. And it seems like doing public administration will help me get there. So I applied the semester before I graduated from my undergrad. So it was like, yay, I'm a top 10 senior, but now I got to apply to grad school and hopefully I get in. And so, um, but I loved the UTEP program and it's the same one my cousin's wife did. So I already, she helped me, you know, tell me what to expect, how the professors are going to be. And then it also was going to save me money because I could just stay living at home while going to grad school because I did not plan to get a big girl full-time job while in grad school. And it just so happened to work out that when I graduated with my bachelor's, the graduate assistant for the honors program I was in was also graduating. So they needed a graduate assistant to fill in the position. And I was like, hey, I've been in this program all through undergrad. No one knows how to run it better than me. And they needed someone. So <laughs> it, wow. I just slid my feet there to get like that part-time job during grad school. <laughs> wow. Look at you taking advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. That is a huge message to anyone out there. Never stop yourself from doing something you never know can be amazing and you having been through that experience trying to piece everything together how does it all work out that's crazy life works in mysterious ways and here you are about to become a graduate student you're trying to get yourself situated where you're going to be able to work and study and you know keep going in your journey and then you end up with this part-time job and eventually you got accepted to grad school how was that feeling for you it was so nice, especially because I think I only applied to NMSU and UTEP. Um, so again, I don't know why I did that. I should have broadened my horizons, but I, I felt fairly confident. I was like, okay, I graduated with a 4.0. They, they should let me in, you know? And uh, I heard back from NMSU first and they did offer me an assistantship as well. So I was like, okay, that's an option. But once UTEP said yes, I just knew like, okay, UTEP's the way to go. It's what I'm comfortable with. It's what I know. I already know what my job duties would be. So it was fine. Um, except that summer before grad school, I had surgery on the other foot and it was another nine months of recovery. So I had to hold off on that graduate assistant job just because I knew, again, mentally, physically, emotionally, I was not in the best place. 
to do that part-time job. So I held it off until the spring and I started grad school in a wheelchair, later transitioning to my, to my crutches with a cast on my leg and a pin sticking out of my big toe because <laughs> that's how it needed to be held in place. And it was a struggle. Like I, my boyfriend at the time had to drop me off because it was at night. He had to drop me off, walk me literally to my seat. And then my mom had to come and pick me up at the end of class. So around 9 p.m., she would come and pick me up. So I, there I was, 20-something years old in grad school, having to be dropped off and picked up like a little kid. And wow. I mean, everybody, of course, was understanding and accommodating. But I felt like mentally, it was just so much. I remember being so nervous, thinking, what if I'm not put out for grad school? I was the first person in my family to go to grad school. Um, and so... You know, I only had my cousin's wife who was so generous and so kind and so supportive. But even then, you know, it's that syndrome you have, you know, that imposter syndrome where it's like, I'm not meant to be here. My feet are like, eh. it was just everything going on at once. I was, I remember writing papers in bed with my foot and my cast up and like trying to type away, not sure, like, is this the correct research topic for me? Do I have to stick with this for two years? Am I happy with it? It's such a big choice. And I was just emotionally a pretty hot mess that first semester. I'm going to be honest. It was hard. It was really hard. Wow. I bet. I mean, just graduate school alone is hard. I tried it out for a month <laughs> and then I was like, I can't, I was, like you said, I was that big girl with a full-time job Monday through Friday, mm -hmm. nine to five. On, and, and then you have to deal with traffic at the time. I did I honor, I respect you. No. That is a lot. And that's why I didn't continue. So that's why I'm like, damn it. Because like, again, those <laughs> expectations that you put in your own mind and your own head stop you from doing things that you could do. And I know that in my head, I did move away because I graduated in El Paso and then I went to grad school to start my program in Houston. So I put myself in a situation mm. where I didn't, I didn't know the area. I was not from there. I had to go to my job to survive and then try to go yeah. to school and like you said in night classes that is just after a full day's worth of work I'm like I'm burned out already so I only lasted about a month in grad school before I was like let me take a break of grad school I talked to my my program and I let them know like hey can I come back later on it hasn't happened I mean by this point I would have graduated already but it's okay we go through different journeys but just yeah. going through your experience of grad school is hard enough. It's a lot. You're going through surgeries at the same time. Talk to me about mm -hmm. your surgeries. Were there things like you would get surgeries in those nine months? Did you have to do like online classes? Were you still going to actively to school? I think one of the classes was hybrid, um, but most of them were in person. So I just had to find a way and, you know, like I said, thankfully they were accommodating and, you know, there I was with my, nobody got grossed out too much by my toe with a pin sticking out of it. So that was nice. But um, yeah, I, I went and I had to go, like I said, first in a wheelchair, then after in the middle of the semester, I graduated to like crutches. And so I think in the spring when I went into class um, without crutches or anything, everybody's like, wow, yay, you know, like my whole cohort <laughs> was all happy for me. <laughs> oh, that's cute. And just to like, highlight what El Paso looks like uh there's hills everywhere yes like, if you want to talk about that oh my god work I mean going to class at UTIP is a whole workout guys like literally if you've ever encountered a campus 
I will I will share some pictures that I have. It's hills on hills on hills. So you're I tried biking one day and I'm like I showed up to class like drenched in sweat and like my legs were sore because I tried biking. Who does that? I don't know. Don't judge me. I tried to be the cool girl with my bike. Yeah. No, leave that to the movies, not in El Paso, not at UTEP. Girl, you were in crutches and a wheelchair. And then now, I mean, eventually even just walking through hills, that's a lot. I I was never as fit as my senior year of college when I was on crutches that whole year. And I only had five, 10 minutes to get from one side of the hill to the other side. Like, I remember I was flying with my crutches. Like, I was out there like nobody's business. And I would get to class, like you said, sweaty and all gross and whatever, because even though they gave me that leniency because of um, CAS or uh, the Center for Accommodating Student Services, I was, you know, I was giving the leeway. They knew I wasn't going to make it within 10 minutes from one class to another. But me, I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss any assignments, any updates, any work. So I'm hauling my butt everywhere and yeah I will never be as fit as I was that semester I do remember when I started off with my little scooter so you put your knee on the seat and then you put yourself with the other foot I almost ate shit so many times I almost fell flat on my face just because the sidewalks from the hills are so uneven that like any little thing will push me over the edge so I also learned how to swallow my pride and just keep going no matter how many people stare or look at me like is she gonna fall like I just had to keep going (laughs) wow that is like speaks to your confidence you have to have a lot of self-confidence a lot of self-awareness and that is important because as females as uh hispanic you know girls or in our hispanic culture we do care about what people think and how people see us and we want to i think rachel talked about it in her episode we want to be portrayed as strong we don't want to be portrayed as we depend on anyone i think the word is like strong independent women that we are that we were raised to be exactly always have to put that front and i say that front because we're not okay all the time i know sometimes if I, if it's okay for me to assume you would have had breakdowns where you're like, I'm tired. Like, why is this happening? Like you said, you're pretty parties, <laughs> but again, you just have to keep going and push through that and pre- well, not pretend, but work hard to be strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there's, I mean, who else was going to go through the surgeries for me? Who else was going to do my homework? Like who else was going to do my assignments? No one, but me. So I knew I like, you just have to keep going. And I think it helped knowing it wasn't going to be forever. Like, yes, I have this surgery, but I'm going to recover eventually. I'm in grad school, but I'm going to graduate on May, whatever, 2019. I know I'm going to graduate. You had a deadline too. This is like when it's over. I have to have like those mental deadlines to be like, this isn't forever. You're going to get through it. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And that's, again, speaks to your self-awareness and your mantras and, you know, how, you know, you have to advocate for yourself and push yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you. So fast forwarding to now you're accepted in your grad school program, you're starting your master's in public administration. There is a, um, is it the prospect? (laughs) 
the prospect times the prospector the prospector yeah, that's the, prospector. the yeah that's a newspaper from the university of texas at el paso with your picture on there and the the headline is utep grad student receives state agency fellowship wow I am with the superstar today, everyone. <laughs> this is Myra Rodarte. She is on the newspaper. She is on Google. She's everywhere. This is a huge deal. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about this award and this grant and this opportunity. Sandra, just like with everything else, my advisor sent me the application on a Thursday. No. She sent it to me on a Thursday. It was due that Monday. So I had one day. <laughs> I had one day to get letters of recommendation from my graduate professors who didn't know me as well as my undergraduate professors did. One day that weekend just to write a good like statement of purpose of whatever to get my transcripts, to get everything. I had to do all of that from that Thursday afternoon and just that full Friday work day. Um, so that I could have it submitted by like Monday morning or something. It was like a ridiculous small amount of time. And they had told me, you know, no one from UTEP has gotten this before, blah, blah, blah. But it's a good opportunity. We think it'd be a good fit for you. So I'm like down to try it. I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, I'm not going to get it anyway. So might as well. But they believe in me. And uh, the person who wrote my letter of rec was actually the director of the graduate program. So I was like, who better to write me a letter? You know, might as well just go for it. And I got selected and they only pick one person each year in Texas. And I got selected. And they even told me that they weren't sure how to go about giving me the award because they usually give it to people in East Texas. So they would just drive up to Austin to the Capitol or wherever and they'll get presented with the award then. Um, obviously for me, because I was in El Paso, they didn't even offer like, we'll fly you out or blah, blah, blah. No, it was just kind of like, oh, well, you can tune in virtually if you want, but we'll just send you the award. And like, it came with a little book. And so they're like, we'll just send it to you. <laughs> so I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> but talk about putting El Paso on the map. I mean, just to say yes. that this is a, 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 a an award did it come with a grant I think it came with the grant right it did. oh girl that's why I did it because of the money like <laughs> <laughs> so this is an award and a grant that is awarded yeah. to only one student in this master's program do you did you have to be in this master's program you had to be studying either public affairs or public administration yes wow so that's very specific I mean very come specific. on that's very specific and to only pick one person mind you Usually the more known areas in Texas, of course, Dallas, Austin, I mean, maybe San Antonio is out there. Who ever hears about El Paso doing anything, which is really sad because Mm -hmm. El Paso is a great city. It's been one of my favorite places that I've ever lived that I hope one day I get to be old and retire in El Paso. You know, people want to go to Florida. I just want to go and be old in El Paso. But just talking about like, putting El Paso on the map that's incredible I mean mind you they still were like oh you can join virtually it's not a big deal but yes girl it is a big (laughs) deal wow I was I was so happy and I knew they had um like they took my picture because of the prospector article um but I it wasn't until 
I think like a week later that I started getting calls from family members because they also published it in El Diario, which is uh, the Spanish newspaper here. <laughs> so of course, all my family reads that. So they're like, mija, felicidades, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what are you talking about? And it turns out El Diario had also published my, my award and a few other like people picked it up to like use it as a news cycle. And it was just so cool because I had no idea until people started congratulating me. And so I was like, oh yeah, I guess this is kind of a big deal. I was just happy because it meant I got my second and last year of grad school paid for. <laughs> That's only, I was like, yes. But then to have so many people, you know, give me that recognition it was just like, oh, you're right. Like, this is cool. This is awesome. So, yeah. You're making headlines. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, this is cool. Girl, you are on a newspaper. Yeah, did the news I, reach out to you? Did who? Did the news? No, I think they just took that interview I did with a prospector and they just translated to Spanish or they would just, you know, select quotes that I had said then. But it was super informal. I mean, I went in to the university communications office and like again I was in between running around probably and I just was with my backpack like oh you want to talk for like five minutes yeah what's up I didn't know it was going to be a formal interview or else I would have said things differently I would have been a little more prepared but <laughs> wow that's how it goes yeah wow but I mean again representing that is yes. huge you are representing not only our community um being a latina not only being a woman but being a uh, del pasoan and just doing amazing things um you've gone through your college program your master's yes. program and now you graduated uh tell me a little bit more about graduating what was that like because you graduated two years right after Yeah, yeah. So the program was two years and I completed it in that time. Um, my, my the fall before graduation. So when I had two semesters left, one of my, the people in my program, she worked in the mechanical engineering department and she said, hey, I got moved up to a different position. My position is open. You should totally take it. I think you'd be a good fit. And I was like, no, I don't want to be full-time and be in grad school. No, thank you. Um, but then she planted that seed in my head and then I couldn't get it out. And so I started looking and I was like, oh, well, it paid pretty well. Like I'm kind of down, but I don't know. I ended up going for it. And so my last semester of grad school is when I started my first big girl job. And thankfully by then I only had two classes of grad school left. I had most of my thesis already written Uh, so I felt pretty confident that I could do it. And I did. I, I think I handled it really well. You know, I would just stay in the office. That was another great thing about working at UTEP. I just stayed in the office, kept doing homework, and then just went to class right afterwards. So and while everybody left at five, I was like, bye, I need to keep writing my paper. <laughs> you know, it was a one-stop shop for you. Literally. Yeah. So But I even remember we had a graduation ceremony for our students and I told them, oh, sorry, I can't go because I have my hooding ceremony. And I, I was so excited. And of course, my boss was super understanding, but it felt, I don't know, it felt kind of unreal to, I just, it was really overwhelming. It was a lot of emotions. Again, I was the first in my family to go to grad school or to get a graduate degree. So it was just very It was so nice to have the full support of my whole family being so proud of me. It felt very nice. That's 
amazing and incredible. And I know, like, again, you are doing amazing things and leading the leading the way for everyone out there listening to us today. That again, your story is an example of, you know, there's nothing that can define you. There's nothing that can hold you back because not even a disability, surgeries, multiple doctor's visits and appointments can't stop you from running. You are running your way through your college experience, your college education. You're just like, it's like this competition and you're just like the first place, first runner up on everything, putting yourself out there. That Mm -hmm. is like, if anyone out there is listening, please apply to everything and do as many things as you can. That's the only way you're going to, first of all, I guess, discover yourself discover your passions, learn what you like, learn what you don't like. And then eventually it would lead you to your path. So now that you've graduated and you've gone through that experience, what are you doing now? So um, I'm still working in that department. I, my, I got promoted fairly quickly. Um, so that was nice. So now I'm the program coordinator for the mechanical engineering department at UTEP. Um, I absolutely love it. I love our students. I love uh, all the faculty I work with. I was a little bit nervous going from theater to engineering just because I wasn't sure the environment, how that was going to be. I was used to being in a very welcoming, open, you know, very feely environment where we all understood each other's feelings and, you know, we talked about our ethos and whatever. So going into engineering, I was nervous, but the faculty are the sweetest, kindest people I have ever met. My boss should get the best boss award all the time. I love my coworkers. And so I feel very privileged and blessed to find a job that I love because that's another thing my mom always taught me is that, you know, truly pick a job in which you're going to be happy going to work every day because I saw what it was like for her to not necessarily always be happy to go to work. And I feel like for everybody, I mean, how common is it to complain about your job, right? So I feel very lucky and privileged that I get to love what I do. So I do a lot of outreach for um, our current students so that they can feel listened to, but I also do a lot of recruitment and enrollment efforts to local students, so from K through 12 to connect with them and teach them, you know, what mechanical engineering really is and what UTEP has to offer. Um, so I'm doing that now. And then Maybe, well, I'm not maybe, I know. I'm giving myself a deadline in two years. I'm going to start my PhD so that I could become a doctor and, uh, and leadership education. So I love UTEP. I love higher education. So I think that's where the world is for me. So I went from never agreeing to do more than four years of college to going to do another four years for my PhD eventually. And then work your whole entire life after that in higher <laughs> education, girl. Talk about the journey. Yeah. Wow. Right. And discovering crazy. yourself. Crazy, crazy, wow. crazy. I would have never guessed it. But I feel like UTEP has just grown into being such a positive pillar in the community in El Paso. And seeing everything we're bringing in just with mechanical engineering alone. Like, I honestly think El Paso is going to explode and we need good people who are in a position who want to make that happen who want to give the best for our students and for the future of the city um so I definitely want to be a part of that I absolutely want to 
help our students go through that change and that college experience and getting an education so that they could have a better future for themselves. If I could just be a tiny part of that, I'd be happy. Wow. And I know that just having you be part of their journey and with you sharing your story with us today, and hopefully everyone at UTEP gets to hear your story and the example you're giving everyone. I mean, not only as a UTEP student, I'm a UTEP alum and I'm like, yes, girl, representing and putting UTEP in the map and getting the word out there of like everything that you can do within higher education, within college institution, and just being an example of this is where I was before. This is where I am now. If I can do it, you can do it too. That is incredible. And you are speaking volumes. And when I say volumes, like I have megaphones, like when people listen to this episode, I wish like their cars are going to be like, you know, because it's again, so powerful to see (laughs) you and tell your story. Um, So tell me a little bit more about, you know, your hobbies outside of work, outside of everything that you do, what do you do for you? What do you do for fun? What does Myra enjoy that maybe a lot of people don't know? Yeah, well, I think, I think a lot of people do know. And I think you can see from like my background, I love reading. So I have a lot of books. Um, I have a little bookstagram page where I post about my books, but I also have finally been able to go back to the gym. I obviously stopped because of COVID, but I also stopped just because, again, my feet were getting to that point where I could no longer bear weight. So right before COVID, even at work, even though I had an office job, I physically could not get up from my desk some days. So I used to have the student employees at the front, you know, go print me, go bring me this that I printed, or can you please bring me this from the fridge? Can you do this and that? And it was a little bit embarrassing you know I mean of course they were amazing and they were understanding but the fact that I couldn't even get up or I couldn't walk to the restroom without limping and having someone point it out it got to be a lot and so I had to take a step back and be real with myself again and put my health first and so just recently I got back from Washington from Gig Harbor Washington and through a lot of crowd fundraising through a lot of saving just me in general I've always been so frugal with my money I've always tried to be really smart with it and save a lot of it so with my savings and the donations from family and friends I was able to get these medical devices called exosims and they are custom made braces that go on my feet and my legs and thanks to them now I'm back to the gym I can have a solid ground when I stand I can have strength when I walk and it's going to be a journey to get used to them and really learn how to use them. Um, it had been a few years since I had worn braces on my legs. So I had been able to pass as able-bodied for a very long time. But now obviously when I wear them, you immediately know I'm not able-bodied. You can quickly tell I have a disability. So getting just used to those stares and those looks is hard. And I'm 25, so I'm still young. I still want to be cute and, you know, look good and have, you know, cute guys, you know, look at me and appreciate me. And it's hard when you have these braces on your feet and your legs. And so it has resurfaced a lot of the self-confidence issues I had growing up. But I think because I'm so much older now that I'm just more thankful that I can go through life without pain than 
look cute. You know, I can make the shoes look cute with some outfits. I can, confidence is everything I've learned. So that's fine, but it is an adjustment. Um, and it was also not covered by insurance at all. So financially wow. it was also very difficult, but the fact that I just have them now is super exciting. So I'm working towards, I kind of, I'm kind of centering myself around that now before I center myself around work or school. Now I'm really taking into consideration it's time to put my health at the forefront of everything. So I basically work my entire days now around these devices and training with them and gaining my strength where I need to gain it. So that's what I've been doing is trying to get adjusted <laughs> to teaching my body how to reconfigure itself after all these years. And that is huge because when you started telling me your story and telling us and sharing, you said you wanted to hide your disability from early on in your life. You wanted to be the girl that didn't want to show the world, you know, who you were both mm -hmm. inside and outside, because when you have this disability and, and maybe in your feet, it's not always visible. And so mm -hmm. because of that, you wanted to hide it. But now with these devices, you're making it known and you're using it to empower you, to propel you to walk and be as mobile and be as normal, but not hiding your disability and who you are. Right. And I, like I said, I, I haven't mastered it by any means. Um, I have a wonderful friend who just this weekend, I'm going to do a photo shoot with the devices on just so one, I could document this journey, but two for me, so I could be like, okay, I'm still, I'm still me. I'm still this physically attractive person. Even if I have these big clunky black things on my legs, like it's definitely for myself too, to help my confidence. And I think we all need to do whatever we have to do to give us that confidence. If it's a photo shoot, if it's, if it's anything, working out, eating better, or just laying in bed all day, whatever you need to do for you to get you out of your funk, just do it. Don't worry how people are going to perceive your actions. You know what's best for you at the end of the day. Um, so I would just tell people if they do have some type of bodily deformity that they know what's best for them. They know what makes them feel confident. And unfortunately, if it is still hiding it a little bit until you're more confident, that's fine. You get to choose who you open up to. You get to share your journey with who you want and nobody can tell you how to do so. So I, but I am going to try to be more open about it. It's, it's hard. I'm telling you, it's very hard. It's a <laughs> work I'm in progress. And that's to anyone, anyone, even with a disability, without a disability, being honest. And that speaks to the platform. This, this podcast is about being open and honest about everyday life and just being that on a, you know, every day being open about who you are in general mm -hmm. is hard. So to even come into this platform and have you share your story and inspire everyone is a huge inspiration. I want to leave you with one last question. And I know this one's going to be hard. So you can take your time to think about it. Okay. But out of everything you've done, out of everything you've experienced in your 25 years of life, mm -hmm. what has been your biggest, most memorable accomplishment? Oh, that is hard. Um, I can't, I cannot put like a single event or date on it, but I think when I was like 23, 24, that time frame was probably the 
best time of my life because and that year I fully recovered from my last surgery that I've had I've had 10 in total so that was like my last one I started my big time job I graduated grad school and I moved out to my first apartment ever um so then I also was able to enjoy that summer without school having more money than I'm used to my own place uh, so it was like finally getting that college experience I had always wanted just a few years later. <laughs> so I think that age, that time of my life, I had the best time. I felt like I was accomplishing things run right after the other. And I just felt so blessed in that time of my life. I was the happiest for sure. I mean, I'm still happy now. I'm not saying it's all downhill from there, but <laughs> that was probably <laughs> But just that moment, it just felt like every, it's exactly how you said, everything just happened to click and align perfectly. And so I think it just shows all of the hard work I had done throughout my life. There was just the payoff that was just coming right and left. So for sure, I think like those like six months, if I could just like condense that, oh. That's great. That's awesome. And we want everyone to feel that way. And it comes to us in different journeys and comes to us in different waves. Um, You know, we each experience those moments differently, but just like you said, condensing that into one whole experience and feeling those are like your feel good moments, you know, whenever you're down, whenever you're like going through a hard time and you just remember to all those things that you, even yourself, Myra, like you've accomplished so much, so much more than any average person with two feet with no disabilities has ever accomplished and to see you do that like whoa that is inspiring thank, thank you so much her. no I'm, I'm trying not to because again all the happy tears though all happy tears yes it speaks a lot and um one more thing this this podcast this episode is dedicated to inspiring everyone and to making them not feel alone in in their journeys and and wherever we're all going through just having someone tell you it's all going to be okay and you're going to get through it what is the message you have for that high school you, that, you know, college you, someone like you that, again, wants to have this potential, wants to have this great future, but, you know, for some reason or another, there's so many things holding us back. What is the message you have? What is something you wish somebody would have told you, or they did tell you that you want to share with everyone? I think it's exactly what you said, that it's going to get better. Uh, If I were to tell high school me or college me first, I would tell her, it's not that serious girl. Like it's not that deep. I would first say like, cause I was just so invested and, you know, trying to be the best in anything I was involved in. So I think telling myself, you know, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Um, But also all your hard work is going to pay off and you're going to, absolutely love your life and I think so many of us you know when you are raised in you know non-ideal conditions um you all you want to do is succeed right all you want to do is get better or have a better life for yourself so I think if I were to like time travel back to younger me she would be so proud of me right now she wouldn't recognize the woman I am today and I think that's the best part because you just don't know how good it's really gonna get 
And that's crazy because you're only 25 years old. There's so much more ahead of you in your future. And now that you've given us a little spoiler alert into what to expect, we're out here rooting for you. I'm out here like number one fan. I'm going to go follow all of your pages, find you everywhere on social media, just to see someone out there doing and enjoying life and living their best life is inspiring to all of us. We're all trying to do the same in quarantine. Now transitioning, as we were saying, like at the beginning, we're transitioning into this new normal, trying to make the best out of every situation. And you've given us that example today. Thank you so much, Myra, for joining me, for joining everyone here at this Prickly Things podcast. If you want to share your pictures after your photo shoot, I'm just like, girl, you need to send me those pictures so I can promote them everywhere. Let's share it all on social media. Let's put you tip on the map once again with your story. Let everyone know all the great things that are happening at higher education, everything that you're doing. And um, we hope to get you back on this episode. Come back again and tell us, you know, in the future, you telling us about your your PhD program. We, we wish you the best of luck in everything that you're doing. You're doing amazing things. And any last words, any last, last message you want to give anyone? Yes. Uh, I will say I have spent, uh, thanks to COVID, I have more time to dedicate to advocacy work, which is my first love. And uh, thanks to the help of Senator Blanco, he introduced Senate Bill 2138, and that will remove ADA parking fees for any person with a handicapped parking placard. So right now, institutions of higher education are allowed to charge a fee to park handicapped at their institution. Um, with the Senate bill, it would remove, it would not allow them to charge a fee. So uh, as much as I love UTEP, their parking fee for handicapped parking is over $500 a year. So hopefully the Senate bill gets passed and everyone and every institution of higher education in Texas will no longer have to pay a fee just because they are handicapped. So wow. if you want to call your local representatives in Texas, Tell them to support Senate Bill 2138. All right, guys, you all heard it here. And again, it's about speaking up for yourself, speaking up for others. That's also another big theme of this podcast. We are huge on advocacy. And yes, thank you, Myra, for bringing that up. And anyone out there, please go and support this. I'll go ahead and share all the details on the Instagram page. Thank you so much for joining me, for being part of this podcast. It was crazy just to be here and Thank you, Myra. Thank you so much. I'll let you go so you can enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. And we'll see you. You're amazing. So kind. Thank you so much for putting all these amazing stories out there. You're (laughs) wonderful. You're doing incredible work. Thank you. Thank you. And it wouldn't be happening without you sharing your story and everybody else. So thank you. You are an amazing part of this journey. And we're just going to keep going. Absolutely. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.